Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, June 6th, 2022. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going? Very good. Thank you, Graham. So uh, we've got a, a lot of stuff going on this week. This is that great time of year where you know we've begun to really start thinking about the coming admissions cycle. We're talking about some interesting candidates this week. But what's is there? Are there any dates or deadlines or things that we want to be aware of that you want candidates to know about this week? Well, we celebrated the jubilee here in in Eng- England over the weekend, so that's a date to put in, you know, <laughs> to have had in your calendar. But yeah, is that, that's, that's only. Can you? I'm I'm going to really embarrass myself, but the, is that like the Queen's sort of birthday, or what? What is the jubilee? No, we're celebrating seventy years on the throne. Oh wow, seventy years. Okay. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So that is very impressive. All right, I bet her son would have liked to have had the job. Yeah, by now. <laughs> it's very impressive. It really is. And, you know, uh, obviously there's some, you know, uh, do you believe in the monarchy or don't you or whatever, but she has been a terrific servant to to, to, to that role, mm-hmm. um, I believe. Um, so so hats off to, to our queen. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in MBA admissions, which is why people are listening to this podcast, um, the, yeah, there's really not a lot going on. The only sort of big um, deadline that's sort of still out there will be HBS's, um, 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 you know, early, uh, you know, um, two plus two Program, um, yeah. um, deadline. But that's not this upcoming week. It seems to be a, a, a little far off still at this point. Okay. Um, but um, but yeah, we still saw some weightless movement last week. Yeah. And I'm still, still convinced that's going to continue. Yeah. Um, so. Those, those of you folks still on wait list, still waiting, the key right now is to make sure that the schools know that you're very flexible Yeah, and to know that you will come if you are admitted. Exactly. Yeah. Any equivocation there, you might as well not be on the wait list. Yeah. And then the other thing I wanted to mention is that we're starting to see essay topics come out for the coming season. Often schools will publish their deadlines and their essay topics before they open up their official online application. And so we already have, you know, uh, what is it? Columbia, uh, Dartmouth, Darden, Cambridge, I believe INSEAD as well. These are all available and the essays have been published for next year. We keep analyzing the essay questions and putting up our analysis on the website. So get started. You know, if you're applying to any of those schools, you can start (laughs) thinking about their essay questions at least and and know what the the deadlines are and so on. So we'll keep, we try to monitor that stuff and publish them as they're released. So stay tuned on the website for that. And frankly, Graham, even if the school hasn't published their new essays, I'd encourage folks you know, if you've got your list of target schools, look at these essay topic analyses from prior seasons, because for, for many of the schools, the essays will remain the same or will be a close sort of, um, you know, close to what they had last year. So, right. so starting to think about that stuff, even at this stage, it's not too early. And I can tell you, I think I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, but both Wharton and Stanford have indicated that their essays, Wharton, it sounds like are going to be the same. Stanford, we know that the first essay is going to be what matters most to you and why, as it has been for more than maybe two decades at this point. So, so yeah, so even though those haven't officially been published, people can get off to the races there. Over on the website, Alex, we've been publishing a bunch of content. We ran this piece about the M7 business schools, which, you know, just like, what does it cost to go to an M7 school? What are the M7 schools? And just some nuts and bolts stuff there. But that got me thinking that I don't know that our listeners even know, you know, what what, what are the M7? What are the S7, as they're often called? And then what's the inside the MBA group, which is a group of schools that travel around that some would argue is like 
numbers 16 to 25. So there are these little groupings, and I just think it's fascinating. We should probably do articles about all of them, <laughs> but but we ran that uh, the M7 piece last week, so kind of interesting. Very good. Maybe we need to come up with a primer for all these acronyms. Yes, yes. Some kind of a glossary on the site or something. Yeah, that would be smart. Uh, we also continue to run out those Real Humans pieces. We did three in the last week alone, and I'm not going to get into a lot of detail, but we had this guy named Marcos, who is a Michigan Ross grad, who is now working at Amazon as a Pathways Operations Manager. And, you know, so be it, he, he actually happens to, uh, he's from Brazil, he's an engineer originally, and he's got an operations and consulting background. So it makes sense that he could be of assistance to Amazon. He had a really funny piece of advice, which was, quote, grades don't matter. Um, he's like, if you always want to get the maximum grades, go for it. But if you're not looking for that, take a step back, take a deep breath and do your best to learn things that matter to you and focus on having a clear plan for recruiting. You'll be fine. So that was his big takeaway um, or kind of, you know, big piece of advice to future candidates. And it sounds like he landed on his feet at Amazon. So I guess you can't, <laughs> can't fault him. Uh, we had a, Is, yeah. does Ross, does Ross have grade non-disclosure? I'm not sure. That's a good question. Yeah. A lot of these MBA programs have what we call grade non-disclosure where you get grades, but you don't, you're not allowed to share them with recruiters and, and other programs just have like pass fail. So there is a, uh, an emphasis on not creating a sort of cutthroat environment in many of these programs and they do it in these different ways. So I don't, I don't know about Ross. I'll have to look into that for next week. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'll take that advice and sort of expand on it a little bit. You could say grades don't matter. You could say extracurriculars don't matter, or you could say career um, services don't 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 matter. But the point is, they all matter. But you want to come up with your blend of what's optimal for you and your MBA experience. And for some folks, excelling in the classroom really will matter um, because that's their forte and that's how they're going to stand out and that's how they're going to really sort of, um, you know, know, make the most of that two-year experience. But for others, it's going to be do well in the classroom, but really excel in the extracurriculars to sort of get out of your comfort zone or explore a new industry or whatever it might be. And for others, it might be, I really need to excel and, and, and work hard with the career resource aspect of this whole experience. So again, do well in the classroom, get engaged in the extracurriculars, but focus though, that real energy on, on whatever sort of recruiting niche that you're pursuing. Yeah. Um, so I, I completely accept this notion of grades don't matter, but it's an individual choice. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah, fair enough. And this next one you're going to love. We did a Real Humans about a guy named Joel who went to Stern, graduated in 21, and now works at McKinsey. Uh, but it gets interesting from here. He, he uh, is from South Dakota, and before going to business school, he ran a craft brewery. So I thought that would be interesting to you. And he he had some cool advice too, which was that he basically said that, you know, he felt there was a lot of pressure up front about getting a great summer internship and, and this feeling of like, if you don't get your dream summer internship, you've failed in some way. And he said that a better way to look at it is more like he said, um, it's a consequence-free opportunity to give a job a test drive. And he said, I personally tried venture capital and learned that I wanted to be a bit more hands-on. So I pivoted to consulting and, and he's landed to, you know, landed with McKinsey. So, um, so anyway, that was just interesting advice. And yeah, maybe we can get him to send you a beer from the, from the brewery, Alex. I'm going to, I'm going to take you up on that, on, on that one too, because yeah, fantastic craft brewery. Got to love that. 
Um, I've actually a friend of mine's got a barrel of beer in his garage right now, and we just tap the barrel, <laughs> so we don't even the beer doesn't even have to go through pipes. It's much better. Yeah. But in terms of his advice, I mean, if you're talking about okay, I tried venture capital, realized it wasn't for me, so dipped into consulting. That to me is very much a, a top of the. The, the the range sort of set of options, right? right? Most folks don't even, will not get a venture capital option. And for a lot of folks, actually the internship becomes a really important stepping stone for the recruiting process of what they're seeking. So while I love the, I, I love their, their experience um, and, and it is a great way to trial a different career, that really works if what in, if in one instance you already know where you're going full time afterwards, maybe you're being sponsored and you can go and have the freedom of trying something different. Or or secondly, if you're a candidate like this where you have opportunities to do um, one terrific thing, which means ultimately someone else is going to pick you up anyway, because clearly they're, they're probably pretty outstanding. Yeah, no, fair point. And I think you're right. If you're a career changer and you're really dying to get break into consulting, I wouldn't recommend doing kind of a random summer thing if that's, right. you, know, if, you know, so in any event. And then the last one we had is a woman named Avery who's at Morgan Stanley, and she went to Cornell Johnson, graduated in 2020, and she's a technology investment banking associate, so doing banking with a focus on tech. And she, uh, you know, had also... So everyone always gives such great advice, but she just talked about how um, she wished she had taken more advantage of kind of sort of taking control of her learning process. So she talks about how Johnson has this like great amount of flexibility. She talked about how professors are really willing to kind of craft stuff um, that allows you to pursue your interests outside of the traditional kind of course offerings. And she mentioned that she did an entrepreneurial project during the last semester of her second year and that she wished she had kind of taking advantage of something like that even earlier because she didn't know, I guess, what was maybe available. So I think that's interesting as well, just this idea that you can do independent studies and, and craft special coursework at most of these programs if, if you want to pursue a certain niche or whatever it might be. So um, I, again, I love reading about these real, you know, kind of real, real humans because it's just fun to see where people land. Yeah, no, absolutely fantastic. And and again, I'll add a little a bit to this. This sort of goes into this idea of when you start your MBA program, you really want to go in with a very solid plan and really know what you want to get out of the experience. And and to the extent that you, you really understand what's being offered, um, as, as in this case, um, realizing towards the end of this outstanding opportunity, yeah, maybe it would have been better, better for, for her if, she, if she'd have, um, um, known about it earlier in the process. So absolutely fantastic. Lot, lot, the three really interesting al- alums, I, I reckon. Yeah, definitely. So uh, a couple more housekeeping items, and then we got to get into our candidates for this week. But first up, our reviews effort continues. We're still trying to um, gather reviews from those of you who listen to the podcast or, or just use ClearAdmit's website. Um, just go to bit.ly forward slash reviews, all one word, all lowercase. And you can literally give us a rating and a review. Uh, what, what do you think of our community? And we just love to get that feedback. So please keep that coming. We also have some events coming up on June the 8th. We're going to do an event about management consulting, where we've got a couple of former BCG folks who are going to talk with those in attendance about 
what it means to be a strategy consultant, how you get into it, um, all that kind of stuff, the recruiting process, et cetera. So tune into that. It's going to be at noon Eastern on June 8th, which uh, is Wednesday of this week. So uh, get signed up for that. And then the other big news is that our essay workshops, the signups have opened up for those. They're going to happen in July. They are free. Go to bit.ly forward slash CA MBA essays to sign up. That's again, all one word, all lowercase. And I cannot believe Alex, we have, <laughs> we're doing four of those events, four weeks in a row. And it's literally, we've got Berkeley, Chicago, Tuck and Darden the first week. Then we've got Tepper, Duke, UT Austin, LBS and INSEAD in the second week. Third week, we've got Columbia, MIT, NYU, Stanford and Wharton. Uh, and then the final week, we've got Cornell, Ross, UCLA, UNC, and Yale. So, I mean, I could not be happier with the list of schools that we've attracted to do these uh, essay workshops. It's going to be a lot of fun. Full disclosure, who haven't we got? Yeah, we, for some reason, Harvard have not come on board. But, I, you know, I'm working on Chad. We'll see if we can get them to, to come to one yeah. of these at some point. No, that's super <laughs> impressive. But, yeah, you, you, you read out a list of who's who, so who's not there. So yeah. it's only HBS. Huh? I think it, they're the only one, yeah. But it's, it's fine. We yeah. can, you know, uh, they'll, they'll yeah, come yeah. around. <laughs> um, in any event, the last thing is we've got a review that someone left us over on Apple Podcasts. Uh, the review was a five-star review and they just uh, titled it well worth your time. And they say, Graham and Alex have fantastic attitudes and make the podcast an easy listen. They provide realistic and practical advice for candidates. As a military member, I also appreciate the diversity of their wiretaps choices. Wherever you are in your MBA journey, this is the podcast for you. So sign that guy up to help us <laughs> with promotion. That was a really nice kind of quick summary of yeah. what we do here. So that was fun. <laughs> yeah, um, no, yeah. That, that was really nice. Thank you. Yeah, much appreciated. So uh, Alex, if anyone has questions for you or me, they can write a note to info at clearadmit.com. Use the subject line wiretaps. We love hearing from you. So please don't hesitate to send us a note. We will write back. Other than that, Alex, you've picked out some candidates. I guess we should get into those uh, profile reviews, right? <laughs> Let's kick on. All right, so this is Wiretaps candidate number one. So this is an MBA apply wire entry that we received, and the candidate has just three schools on their target list, and those schools are Dartmouth, Duke, and Yale. And they want to start school in the fall of 23. They've been working as a strategy analyst at a manufacturing firm. They're located in Central Asia, and they would love to land in the U.S., preferably in the Northeast. And they're thinking about consulting as a post-MBA career goal, and they list Bain, BCG, McKinsey, Accenture as landing places. They mentioned they went to a top university in their country, and they did a bachelor's in econ and finance. They led multiple student organizations. They did an exchange program that took them to the UK for a semester or so. They also uh, are working for a really large manufacturing company in their home country. And they talk about you know, leading some fairly big projects and having some nice accomplishments there. They lead, I guess, some corporate social responsibility projects as well for their company. And again, they're gonna apply this fall, love to get into consulting, but they're also looking for some scholarship dollars. So Yale, they say, is a dream school. They're currently prepping for the GMAT because they have no GMAT score. And I think I didn't mention this, but they have a 3.9 GPA and just a couple years of work experience at this point. It'll be three when they matriculate. But Alex, what do you think are the key considerations for this candidate in Central Asia? 
Yeah, I mean, we were talking about this before we came on air. Um, we, we're assuming because they're from Central Asia, they're going to be actually underrepresented in the pool. Yes. And we don't know specifically where they, they are from Central Asia, so that might add, an, an, add a little bit more insight. Um, but, but I like, you know, on the whole, I think that that's going to be um, a positive because one of their concerns is they don't have... Um, international experience, i.e. experience out of their country, um, work experience. I think they had some academic experience in the UK. Um, but but so, so, so they threw that out as a concern. But my, my sort of um, pushback on that is actually your experience in your country is probably going to add diversity to the, to, to the classroom and to the learning. Um, so so it, it should actually be a net positive. Um, in that regard, I do like the fact that they 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 work in a sort of large manufacturing company. They make stuff. Um, they worked on big projects, launching big projects, and it just sounds like the work experience itself, wherever it was done, is is super interesting too. They've only had two years. I recognise that's on the lighter end. They'll have three at the point of matriculation. Um, so so I'm sort of hoping that you know, they, they, they continue and progress and, and so forth over, over this next year. I love, love, love their extracurriculars. I mean, I'm an animal person. They, they do some volunteer work at, at an animal shelter. And they also do, you know, they helped um, um, open a new large state park, planting trees and so on and so forth. So it seems like they have a really good sort of set of interests outside of work that show a good degree of compassion um, and, and the environment and so forth. So that should resonate really well with the ADCOM. We don't know their GMAT score. Um, we do know their GPA. So they've got a 3.9 GPA. We don't know the, the, the Calibre University, I don't think. But, ne- but, you know, wherever they went, it looks like they've done very well. If they could also return a very good GMAT score, and I think they said they're sort of targeting in that 730, 740 range. So they must be wicked smart yeah. because obviously that, that, that's a high GMAT score. I think if, if, if they come, come back with a high GMAT score, Graham, Everything together, maybe showing a little bit more potential than, than necessarily what they've done, but everything together, they should be targeting the very best programs um, or at least take a flyer at Harvard, Stanford, Wharton, because their, their concern is that HSW, Harvard, Stanford, Wharton is unreachable. I don't agree with that. And especially if they come back with that strong GMAT score. Um, and even if they're, they're looking for, for scholarship dollars, um, we know the, you know, the average um, amount of money coming out of Harvard this year was 80,000 or something. So, so it's still attainable or achievable at the very best programs. They seem to have a passion to want to be at Yale. Um, and I'm not dismissing that that's a really good sort of, um, school, school to, 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 to target as a reach school. Um, so, so I would certainly wouldn't dissuade them from that, but why not also be targeting M7, um, and, and so forth. Yeah. A lot to like here, Graham. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, um, being from Central Asia, it puts them in a really small minority in the pool. There just aren't that many people. And again, we don't know if it's Turkmenistan or Uzbekistan or, you know, which of the kind of Central Asian countries it is, but it's not an overrepresented, um, part of the pool. I, I could, my, when I saw this profile, the first thing I thought as well is, wait a second, if they score 
north of 700 on the GMAT or, you know, 730 or whatever around the averages at these top schools, there's no way that Harvard, Stanford, and Wharton are out of limits for them. I mean, they, they should absolutely be thinking about those schools. Now, the list that they have, Tuck, Yale, and Duke, three fantastic programs, three relatively small programs. And so maybe there's something going on there too, where they want a kind of close knit experience, but I still would encourage them to consider, uh, you know, a couple of schools that rank above those just in case. And, you know, you never know what's going to happen. It could be as simple as, wow, you know, they get into Wharton or Harvard and they get a lot, as you say, of financial aid, and maybe they get less at the other options. So they, they need to, I say, cast a slightly wider net, take a flyer on a very top school as well. And I think they could, yeah, they could really do well as long as they obviously put the time in on the essays and, and application materials. Yeah. But I, I really like this candidate. I think that they, I, I, the one thing, the last thing I was going to say is if they don't stay in the U.S., if they ever foresee themselves working back in Central Asia or wherever it might be, thinking about the global brand of the institution that they attend is going to be pretty important too. So I would encourage them to investigate, you know, to what extent is there any name recognition uh, in, in their local market or wherever they might end up if they don't stay in the States. So, but uh, yeah, great candidacy. That's quite likely why Yale's at top of their list. I agree. Yeah, I suspect Yale has a great brand um, and is you know, kind of a household name in the way that a Harvard would be or, you know, so that, that makes a lot of sense to me. So yeah. anything else on this one? I want to thank them for submitting their profile. Very good stuff here. <laughs> I want to thank them for submitting their profile and thank them for helping out the dogs in their part of the world. Yeah, that was really nice to see. So let's move on and talk about Wiretaps candidate number two. So this is another fall of 23, a flywire entry, and this person's got four schools on the target list, and those schools are Harvard, MIT, Stanford, and Wharton. This person has been doing what they called F Fortune 500 Skunk Works slash Internal Venture Strategy Consulting. And post-MBA, they want to work in maybe aerospace or potentially auto or manufacturing, and they've got SpaceX, Blue Origin, uh, Planet. They've got a whole bunch of firms on the list here. They have a GMAT score of 750 and a GPA of 3.6. They've been working for three years and they're located in DC. They noted that it's funny, they, I guess, I'm trying to think what this number means. It says 24M. I guess that means they're a 24 year old male or is it 24 months at matriculation? That's what I'm trying to figure out. I guess they have three years of experience, um, then that's more than 24 months. So it must be that they're, anyway, they're a male Asian American. They studied philosophy with a minor in physics and politics at a top 30 private undergrad. They graduated a full year early. So that's why they're a bit younger, I'm guessing, if they're just gonna be 24 when they start business school. They don't have any, what they, they claim they don't have any, any, any extracurriculars after uh, finishing up at undergrad, but they were quite active as an undergrad. And we later learned after we probed with them that they maybe have some hobbies and things they do in their current spare time. But the big thing about this candidate is that they not only want to get into the kind of space space, <laughs> um, but they also have longer term goals uh, in kind of politics. So just I'll, I'll read out exactly what they said. They said short term goal is pursuing an MBA so that they can pivot into uh, the space sector in kind of corporate strategy and development. And that in the long term, they would love to hold political office. They claim that they're going to talk about a very unique family background and kind of personal motivations in that 
domain. So in any event, this is kind of the basics of it. But Alex, you and I went, both of us went back and forth with this candidate on the post over on the website. So I'll let you kind of set the stage a little bit in terms of what we thought of their candidacy. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you look at their just regular stats, 753.6 GPA, um, and, you know, they, they studied philosophy and physics. I, I, I'm not sure how you study both of those subjects. It just seems <laughs> uh, one end of the spectrum to the other end right there. But um, but nevertheless, I think there's there's a lot to look and like about this candidate in terms of potential superstar type sort of caliber. Um, it looks like the work experience they've done is super interesting um, and, 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 and so forth. I mean, you know, they're, they're, all, you know, they're, they're looking at sort of venture strategy. They've done venture strategy. It, it all, all seemed a little bit complicated to me, quite honestly, Graham, as I was reading through it all. <laughs> but, but it sounded like that they've done very well and they've had really good experiences and can probably show really good growth and all the other things that are very important um, for, for, for Adcom to, to realise. Um, at matriculation, I think this is how you interpret this, they're going to be 24 at matriculation um, um, and, and they're, they're, they're male, Asian, American in terms of their, their demographics. So from that standpoint, they might be a little bit overrepresented. They're certainly going to be younger. And this yeah. does smack as a, a of a younger candidate um, who's done super well um, in what they're doing. They're no longer involved in um, sort of formal extracurricular activities. They were super involved in their undergrad, uh, which which is, is, you know, there's lots of outstanding candidates that sort of fit that profile um, and, and are able to target the very best programs. Um, so, so a lot to like there, and I, I've got to believe them in terms of their goals make sense. Um, and they, they came up with a really interesting analogy in, in terms of describing the fact that they wanted to be the driver of the train on the railroad tracks, and the railroad tracks is more about the politics end of it, and so on and so forth. Anyway, it was interesting to read. I'm, I'm not describing it particularly well. Um, but, but <laughs> you know, the bit of a concern is... Um, are they a little bit unidimensional? Are they a little bit sort of younger um, from, from a maturity standpoint is, is, is now absolutely the right time? I think they can convince us that now is the right time. I want to see a little bit more of that personality coming out um, so, so that they show that they're not just a one-trick pony and they do some other interesting things despite you know, other than being super successful at work, which I, I believe they have been. And Graham, they said they do some oil painting and, 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 and play the trumpet and not just dabble, but they've done this over a several year period. How do, how do they weave that into their candidacy in order to show that there is a balance here? Do they do the two at the same time or no? These are separate activities, I presume. <laughs> I, I'm not sure that I, I know that, but yeah. <laughs> no, but I think um, it is interesting because they originally said, oh, I don't do anything outside of work, right, in terms of formal activities. But then when we probed, they said, well, actually, for more than a decade, I've been doing oil painting and I also have been playing the trumpet. So I feel like if there's, I mean, hopefully they're getting together maybe with friends and playing music or they're. Uh, you know, kind of regularly going somewhere to paint or like to the extent that they can 
formalize that activity, even if it's, you know, even if it's in the coming months, like maybe they join a little jazz combo or a classical music, um, you know, group or something or whatever they're interested in. Right. But I I think those are fine. Like, you know, every activity doesn't have to be sort of saving the world type stuff. Like it's okay if they, uh, and, and I think mapping these interests to potential involvement on campus is also important. So, you know, most of the business schools have, kind of a, a drama or comedy club that often needs an orchestra to perform as well. And so th- there were plenty of people at, you know, in business school when I was there who were doing, you know, playing one instrument or another for the Wharton Follies, for example, which is the kind of Wharton comedy show. So there are ways to take these skills and bring them into the MBA community. And I would just encourage this person to think about that. I, you know, I did really push back when I wrote on the site about this candidacy in terms of probing them and stuff and asking about their background, because I was worried Here's someone who like raced through college in three years, wants to be a politician in the long term, and you know was part of their undergraduate law review. And I'm sort of like, what? What all this law stuff and politics? If they want to work, why are they getting an MBA? And so I was really worried that they might be sending the wrong signal. I think they did an okay job of addressing that, you know, in their response on the website. But it is something that they gotta be. They need to have in the back of their mind. So I would yeah. encourage them to really think about the career path and the politics is more of a kind of kind of long range goal that's sort of, you know, maybe 20 years out or something. I mean, they, they don't have to, I don't want to put a number on it, but it's, it shouldn't be the immediate stuff because otherwise they're going to risk coming across as, like you said, sort of too young, goals too fuzzy, not really aligned with the MBA. So, but I, I think this candidate has a lot of potential and they, they could do they could do well in an MBA program. They did have this problem where they they took a lot of AP credits in high school, and so when by the time they got to university, they didn't have to take a lot of quantitative coursework and all the. So they took a, f- a few physics classes, but they just got Bs in those. And so there isn't a lot of evidence on their transcript for quantitative ability. Graham, have you ever taken a physics class? Yeah, I have actually. But do you know what it means to get a B in a physics class? I yeah, mean, it's, it's not trivial. <laughs> that's true. So maybe, so maybe it's fine. I think you know. Obviously, the other thing I was thinking about right away is well, they have a seven fifty on the GMAT, and so presumably yeah, the quantitative absolutely. score is you know okay, right? So, in any event, I, I think this person could be okay. I just want them to go in with their eyes wide open that talking about being you know having a, a role in politics and you know undergraduate law review and that there's this danger and so i think the way they described it to you was much better when we probed them on it you know this yeah. idea that no, no no i just you know don't want to be i want to be driving the train making the business decisions not legislating around whether whether we can build the railroad tracks here or there you know so um but yeah any other thoughts on this one yeah i did love that and another analogy i always like to use is is in in your in your life, are you the driver or the passenger? Mm-hmm. It's sort of, sort of a similar idea, right? You know, yeah. the majority of us we're passengers, but the drivers that's what we're seeking out. Those that are sort of leading the way and 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 driving the bus or the train or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. I do think, um, and not to belabor this point, that this candidate looks really really strong. I don't think we should um, dismiss that. Their work experience does look super interesting. They're, you know, they got a 750 on the GMAT 360. You know, I, I think that they absolutely show academic chops. Um, but there's a consistent theme throughout their life. They're in a hurry and they're quite young, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. So, so, you know, they did AP classes to get out of 
their quant classes at, at university. They graduated in three years. Now they're applying to business school after only two or three years of experience. So, and the reason why this is important to highlight is they're really going to need to show in the in their um, candidacy when they're applying that sort of maturity and real sort of recognition of of, of, of of what they've done, how it's helped them grow and learn and how it makes perfect sense for their goals. And oftentimes that's how we can sort of distill out their maturity is that connection yeah. with their goals and their focus and so forth. And I think there is evidence here in, in the apply wire entry where they've really developed that. Yeah. But but certainly that's going to be really important. Agreed. Yeah. They need to demonstrate that they know when to sort of stop and smell the roses and not, you know, just yeah. kind of forge ahead. Yeah. Now I'm thinking about this whole passenger and the car analogy. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking the question I have is, is it a stick shift or, you know, is it automatic? But that's oh, a whole boy. other story. Um, all right. So uh, let's move on though. We have one more candidate. This is going to be wiretaps candidate number three. And this is an apply wire entry again, and it's again someone looking to go to school in the fall of 23. This candidate has been working in supply chain, so an operations type role. They would love to get into tech or maybe consumer goods or even media, and they list Sony, Google, Apple as potential landing spots. They have a GPA of 3.56. They've been working for eight years. And they haven't yet taken the test, but they're preparing to do so. And they have some questions around the test, which we'll get into. This candidate is located in LA and would love to be in either LA or New York after business school. The, the notes here indicate that she is a first generation uh, candidate who is currently you know, doing that work in supply chain, uh, has some experience at a Fortune 50 consumer products company. and also has worked a little bit in med tech so you know medical technology i think the idea right now is that this candidate you know not a traditional candidate right eight years of experience but she points out that she sort of finally has a moment to sort of take a step back and think about you know where does she want to go and she's been really wanting to sort of pivot into working in a kind of consumer tech type role either as a pm or a pmm and she loves this sort of tangible product facing type work. So she talked about, oh, it'd be really cool to be head of like marketing or partnerships at Fitbit or something like that. So in any event, still needs to take the test, wants to target a 700 and just kind of asking us like whether or not her school list is right. And I'll tell you the schools they are, Carnegie Mellon, Michigan, NYU, UCLA and USC. Um, so. Let's stop there because, Alex, I know you went back and forth with her and she asked some very specific questions too. Yeah, um, and, and another really interesting candidate, um, um, 356 GPA, like you say, eight years of work experience. And I'm thinking this is the sort of candidate who, you know, when they graduated undergraduate, had no um, aspiration to do an MBA and, you know, that was never on their radar. And they've gone through, you know, have several years of work experience now and after eight years, the, there's, I think there's been a recent epiphany, as, as it were, that maybe an MBA would really help her solidify her, her skill set and then make a little bit of a, 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 a change in terms of going into um, pro product management or product marketing management or whatever it is and, and looking at um, brands like Fitbit, which is obviously a, a, a highbrow brand, lots of folks want to target that. 
Um, I think, you know, operations experience um, overall can be super interesting, um, supply chain experience. And especially, I mean, during COVID and, well, if she was in the UK, we'd, we'd throw in Brexit there. And obviously now the, 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 the shocking war with Ukraine, um, you know, work in supply chain has got to have sort of really ratcheted up in terms of yeah. <laughs> um, some, some of the difficulties and the nuances they've had to um, um, deal with that perhaps the, the, the same sort of experience three or four years ago wouldn't have been quite as interesting because quite mm-hmm. frankly the global supply chains were pretty harmonious and calm and so forth right so maybe there's some interesting additional stuff that she can bring to the conversations and navigating supply chain and stuff um, so I, I, yeah, other things that I really like, she's first-generation female, so again, she's going to be underrepresented in the pool. We like that, not just because they're checking boxes, but, you know, they have different life experiences um, and perhaps overcome some, some additional hurdles to get where they've gotten today, so that's fantastic. I say, Graham, if she aces the GMAT, she she's well within... Um, scope of the, the 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 programs that she's targeting, and maybe could 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 um, look look a little bit higher. She's a little bit worried about the GMAT, Graham, and yeah. you know, sort of targeting that seven hundred. And if she hits the seven hundred, I do certainly think with good app execution, um, these programs are within range. But she did ask a curious question that I want to bounce back to you. Okay. If she doesn't do as well as she wants to, needs to do in the GMAP, so she's targeting that 700, should she request a test waiver? (laughs) Yeah, this is a good one, right? Because let's imagine that she takes the test and she gets a, I don't know, a 680 and is, you know, disappointed what would CERN or any of these schools on her list think of the 680, given, you know, she has a solid GPA, really excellent work experience, and it is first-gen female, and has been working for eight years, right? So she has not been in the classroom for a while. I personally would rather see the 680 than no score at all. Yeah. Because if I see no score at all, my first concern with an older candidate is, like, do they have the chops to kind of survive and thrive in the academic program at the school? Because they've been out for a long time. But if I see, hey, look, you know, this person, you know, they've been out for a long time. They just took the test. They got a 680. It's in the ballpark. We do accept people who have a 680 from time to time. Like, it's not, it's really not that much of an outlier. I, I would rather that. So my view is that, you know, I also, I mean, you gave her great advice, which is, well, why don't you take the test first and let's see how that goes. And actually, why don't you take the test first and plan to take it a second time? And if neither of those times work out, then we can have this conversation yeah. <laughs> because I feel like that's, I mean, yeah, she's got to take the test. But I, I personally think that the beauty of having a standardized test score when you're an older candidate is that you're providing the admissions team a recent data point on your academic aptitude and trying to ease some of those fears they might have that you've like literally forgotten what two plus two is since you've been out of the classroom for a really long time. So I, I think it'd be, behoove her to study hard, take the test, and just she doesn't have to hit it out of the ballpark because she has so many other positive attributes. But I think that, you know, getting in range, you know, would, would be terrific for her. Yeah. And and you, you make an extra additional point to that argument is she's got longer out of longer distance from that undergrad, that three, five, six. So having a test score is going to be more helpful in that case. Yeah. What do you think of the schools? You know, she's got Carnegie Mellon, Michigan, NYU, UCLA, and USC, and she wants to land in New York or, or um, LA. So I, I get USC, UCLA, NYU. 
I'm just wondering, I guess Michigan has that campus in LA as well. So that could be yeah. kind of an interesting option for her too. Anything, I mean, given she wants to work for maybe CPG or tech type companies, you know, she's got Apple and Google and Sony. Is there anything she's missing or do you think this is a pretty good list? Well, I think she could shoot a little higher for some reach schools. Mm -hmm. um, and again, if that test score comes in within range, um, why not, right? One or two M7s um, wouldn't go amiss. So, yeah. okay. um, I, I think, again, I think there's a lot to like because of the profile um, and, you know, first gen female supply chain management, there's probably some interesting um, anecdotes, again, more recently from from that type of experience. Yeah, if she I does agree, happen agree. to to perform well in the GMAT and, and, and so forth. Um, she should she should, um, you know, she 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 she, she uh, the ideal, you know, can't, uh, you know, the ideal app strategy is she gets denied at a couple of programs, gets submitted at a couple of programs. Right. That way she knows she's reached high enough and she still has a choice of schools to go to. Yeah. Um, she might actually go across the board with these schools if she does deliver on the GMAT. Yeah, I think the two schools that come to my mind that I would add to the list as le at least to consider is maybe an early decision application to Columbia if she's interested in that program. I and mean, that's a top school. It's in New York, yeah. which is one of her potential destinations. And then the other one is Wharton. They have the you know campus on the West Coast in San Fran. They obviously place a number of people in these tech companies too. So, but again, I think, yeah, it'd be good for her to take the test and, and I don't know what her timeline yeah. is, but get that done see where the chips fall and then begin strategizing around which schools to start with in round one and, and so on. But she's got a great potential candidacy here with the work experience she's had. And yeah, there's just a lot to like, I, I really enjoyed reading what she wrote. There was just something about the way she described her experience and stuff that made me think she's going to appeal to the committees too. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. All right. So Alex, thanks for picking these out as always. Uh, and yeah, just really interesting candidacies, a couple of younger candidates and then one older candidate this week and from, you know, different corners of the, <laughs> of the globe. So very good stuff. We will be back in one week's time, uh, to do it all over again. And I want to thank everyone for listening and please just tell your friends, family, anyone who will listen about the clear admit podcast and have them tune in. We always appreciate <laughs> more listeners and we'll see you in one week's time. Very good. Best of luck, everyone. Stay safe.